but we're going to talk about why the need for missions. So let's look in Exodus chapter 15. We'll read verses 1 through 27. So flip over to Exodus chapter 15. We'll look in verse, starting in verse 1. One of the things we want to look at on your paper is God is immutable. He does not change. We recognize the God here that we're going to look at, the God now, the God in the future. He does not change. The problem is we do. So mankind change. When we are saved, we think we will never forget what God has done for us. God does things for us throughout our whole life. We think we'll never forget what God has done for us. And then next thing you know, we forget what God's done for us. And here's a great illustration of this, and we're going to talk about it, and then we're going to explain. I'm going to tie it in how it does, it deals with missions. And so let's look at verse 1. I'm going to read 27 verses, and then we're going to talk a little bit about it. This is after they had come into the promised land, or sorry, the wilderness. They just crossed the Red Sea. They had come out of bondage. Remember, the Israelites were in bondage with Egypt. They were in bondage. They were slaves. They hated it. They came out. They were rejoicing, praising God. Hey, it's all great. You know, and we've got all these valuables that the Egyptians gave us. They get to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh's coming after them. And with the chariots and the armies, and he's going to destroy them, they start whining and complaining to Moses and to God about, here, you brought us out here to die. We'd rather been slaves. And Moses says, be quiet, be still, and see the salvation of the Lord, and see what God's going to do. Well, then Moses goes to God, and God goes, what are you coming to me for? Go forward. Uh, Okay, so what does that look like? Just go into the water. Uh, uh, So we're going to just, what's going to happen if we go in the water? And we know is when they went into the water, it spread. And they could walk across on dry land. Great, great, great miracle. There's movies about it, all kinds of things. So this is Moses' song. He's talking about it. But at the end of the song, it's where we're going to be spending our time tonight. So let me read it, starting at verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying. Now, who did they sing it to? The Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider, he is thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has become glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy in pieces. And in the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. And with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. (coughs) Excuse me. The floods stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praise, doing wonders? 
You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You and your mercy have led forth the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them in your strength to your, to your salvation habitation, or to your holy habitation, sorry. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia. Then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. The mighty men of Moab, trembling with, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall upon them by the greatness of your arm. They will be as still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. What a great song. And it talks about the greatness of God and what great God had done in their life. And as I think of this, we're going to think a little bit about the evils of the wilderness. So we have here the evils of the wilderness as we're looking at this song here. And we think about the evils of the wilderness. They were going to have these trials. Christians, we will have tribulations and trials. They had the trials before they got into the wilderness. They had the trials as being slaves. And now they're going into the wilderness and they're on their way to the promised land. And they're going to have trials. They're going to have tribulations. Even some that non-believers don't face. And I think about us as Christians. We become a child of God. And then we have these trials. And we have these afflictions. And sometimes we have them that the non-believers don't even have. And that's what's so frustrating sometimes. I'm thinking, why am I having all these afflictions and problems and not them? I thought that when I became diabetic. And I, when I became diabetic, I went, all right, God, really? Those jacks over there that cussing all the time, doing all the things of the world, don't even go to church, sleeping around on their wives, drinking all the time, dipping. <laughs> okay, so I dipped at that time too. So I took that one back. I said, okay, they're not that bad, okay? But anyway, smoking, that's what I meant. Lord, smoking. They're smoking over there. Why didn't they get diabetes? Why me? What have I done? Here's what I do, God. I, in case you forgot, I serve in the church. I teach in the church. I've been faithful to my wife. I give her everything she wants, like you do the church for the most part. I, 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 I honor my mom and dad, even though sometimes they drive me nuts, but I am honoring them. I am doing everything. I have helped those in need. I have done all. God, in case you forgot, I'm doing all this stuff. But we face trials. And we face afflictions. And sometimes we wonder, it'd be better to be a slave than to be free. See, the nation of Israel thought that they get into the wilderness. And and when they're at the Red Sea, they're going... Really, you bring us out here for this? It would be better if we were still slaves in Egypt. Really? They hated it. it was, they were miserable. And yet, in our lives so many times, we, we think, and I'll be honest, I've thought this before, since we're in confession mode here. Should have wore a mother's shirt, you know what the... 
story. One time I was driving to a funeral and I had on this shirt, this little black shirt. It was like one of those that have a collar, you know what I mean, whatever that's called. And I wear it some on Sundays when I preach. And I had it on and I was going to my brother-in-law's, his mom passed away and I was driving to Oklahoma in a day and back to go to the funeral. And, uh, and I was running a hair late. So I had a napkin sitting there and had a great idea, black shirt. So I took this napkin as I'm driving down the road and I folded it so nice and neat and I tucked it right there. And I let her fly. And I thought, if I get pulled over, they're going to think I'm a priest. And they will let me off, no problem. Because I've been pulled over as a pastor before. And they ask, you know, what do you do for a living? And I'm going, do I have to answer that? And they go, yes. I go, I'm a minister. Oh, yes, praise the Lord. So I thought, if I had this shirt on with this little napkin here, so I forgot to take it off. And I go walking into the funeral. And I put my jacket on, and my sister looks at me and goes, you got your shirt on backwards. I said, what? She goes, you got your shirt on backwards. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, the tag's showing. Oh, no, this is a, it's a long story. But anyway, put it on when I go home. Why don't you get me distracted? Okay? Anyway, better to be free or slave. I don't know what that meant. I don't even know where I went on that. But, um, oh, thinking about there's so many times as being a child of God, especially growing up, and sometimes as a teenager, sometimes in life, thinking, It'd almost be more fun if I wasn't a child of God. I wouldn't have the convictions. I wouldn't have to go to church every Sunday. I wouldn't have to give. I wouldn't have to serve. As a teenager, I could sleep in. I wouldn't have to, well, I don't want to say, this is recorded. I'm glad I didn't say what I was getting ready to say about what you do with girls and stuff like that. A Christian can't do, but you know what I mean. Anyway, but those things, and you start thinking those things and going, Man, it'd almost be better to be on the other side. And what happened is that's the nation of Israel, and we're the same way. So there's these evils, these trials, these afflictions that they're going to face that the rest of the world was not facing. And the same with us. There's many times we face these trials that sometimes the rest of the world doesn't face. But we still face them. And then the trial or the evil changes shape. So this trial or evil changes shape. In that, they were in bondage. And now they're going to, the, the, the afflictions and the trials are going to be different than being a slave. It's going to be totally different going through the wilderness. And we're going to see here in just a moment. So let's go back to verse 19 and let's read for a little bit. For the horses of Pharaoh went with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea. And the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land... In the midst of the sea. Then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women were, went out with her, after her, with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. And in verse 22, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Well, that's a kicker. Here they'd been slaves, and that was the trial and affliction they were going through. Now they're faced with another one. No water. And it's interesting. Does anybody remember how many days it had been since they crossed the Red Sea? Eight? Three. 
Okay, we're gonna, let's read it one more time. Verse 22, stay with me. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Three days. We just read 20 verses, roughly, of a song about how great God is. The miracle of miracles they just experienced. Three days, they have no water. Verse 23, now when they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara. I guess how you say that. And the people complained against Moses, saying, what shall we drink? So here's the trials that changed, the afflictions that changed. They were slaves. They were cornered in the Red Sea and nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, God opens up the Red Sea. God delivers them from bondage. And now they've been three days after this great miracle. And they go, Moses, they complain to Moses. They can't complain to God because he just did a miracle. Where's the water? Where's the water? Was his middle name Ozarka? What had Moses done wrong? Moses had done nothing wrong. But yet they complained against Moses and they were upset against Moses. And so many times we do the same thing. We complain against somebody else. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's, but really who we're complaining against is God. God, why is my circumstance like it is? Sometimes we can even complain against doctors or against whoever. You name it. Teachers for your kids. Principals, whatever. Coaches, you name it. We can complain about all these things. And really what we're complaining about and to whom is God. Going, God, I'm not happy with my circumstance. I'm not happy with this trial I'm in. God, there is no water. And then we find the water, and I'm sure they were all excited, and it's bitter. And they're going, great. We don't have any water. And then all of a sudden, we find water, and it's bitter. We can't drink it. And here's their circumstance. Here's their trial. Here, in three days, they had forgot how the greatness of God, the God that could part the sea, the God that killed all the Egyptians, has not the power to provide water for them in the wilderness. And we look at that and go, that is, they're stupid. Well, that's us. We forget God less than three days, all the goodness he does. I forget from the morning to the evening the goodness of God and how good he is. And so sometimes in our life, we, we look at these and our trials and afflictions, they change. And sometimes we, I've looked back before and thought, man, I thought I had it hard way back here. That's nothing compared to where I'm at now. And so we have these things going on. And then next, we're going to look at the remedy of grace. And here's how good God is. So let's, let's go to verse um, 25. They asked Moses what they should drink, verse 25. So he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. When he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And there he made a statue and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. But let's go back to 25 and start it again. Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. 
And when he cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. And they drank. And it's interesting that I think about this, and I think God probably did this miraculous thing, kind of like the Red Sea. And then all of a sudden, when Moses prayed, that all of a sudden this tree just went out of the ground. The tree was already there. The tree was there before they ever crossed the Red Sea. The tree God planted by that bitter water because he was going to show his greatness, his goodness to the nation of Israel. And when I stop and think about that, and I stop and think that God had this tree already in place. He led them to this water that was bitter. And he said, see that tree? Cut down the tree and put it in the water. It's going to make the water sweet. I don't know about you, but I've been around ponds and stuff and water, and I'm not sure I've ever cut down a tree. I've thrown branches in the water. You know, we've done that. My grandfather would get really upset with me because of the cattle and stuff, but we would do things like that. It never changed the water. It just made it worse. But this tree made the water sweet. And when I think about Moses' trust in God, he prayed to God and said, God, I don't know what to do, but I trust you. And God had already prepared the tree before him. And in our lives, so many times we forget the remedy of grace that God has already placed before us the remedy that's going to turn this trial, this affliction from bitter to sweet. Just like he did the water, he already had the remedy of grace to change this bitter water to become sweet. And in our lives, so many times we do not recognize or do not trust. We're like the nation of Israel. We don't think God's capable of having a remedy. But he's already placed the remedy in place. And it's interesting that when we get to experience the remedy of his grace, it changes everything in our life. And the tree that was cut down is a picture of Christ. That he takes our bitter, sinful life and he makes it sweet. And Christ was placed on a tree and our sins were placed upon him and he gave us life, he gave us hope, he gave us redemption, gave us forgiveness, he gave us mercy, grace, and he turned our bitter lives into something sweet. And see, that's the remedy of grace. And just as he did for these Israelites, he does for us each and every day. That our lives, once we become a child of God, our life, no matter what we do, it is sweet. We may not feel that way. I struggle with that in my life. How can that be sweet? Well, I'm God's child, and when God looks down upon me, he sees the blood of Christ. He sees the tree that was cast down into my bitter life to make me sweet. You may go, well, what does that have to do with missions? Well, you know how many people around the world, in their afflictions, in their trials, their lives are bitter. There is no sweet in there. There's no hope. And they walk around discouraged because they have no hope. And we have the hope. We know 
what can cause that bitter life to become sweet. And that is Jesus Christ. So that's the importance of us sending around the world that we care enough about these people around the world who have this bitter life. No hope. As the Israelites stood before that water, thinking there was hope, they found this water and they get there and it's bitter. And so many times the world looks to whatever, money, health, fame, army, military, whatever you want to do, their government, whatever, for hope. And many times we think, well, if we can give them food, water, all these things, shelter, it'll give them hope. The only hope that comes is through Jesus Christ. And he's the one that can take that bitter life that is so sour and bitter and horrible and make it sweet. And I think about in your life and my life, and I think about some of the choices I've made, things I've done, the sins I've committed, and I think about how bitter that is and the consequences. But Jesus Christ made it sweet. And I think about even some of these things I've gone through in my life that he's been able to take those bitter things that happened in my life, these afflictions, these trials. And as I've seen the remedy of grace, Jesus Christ, I've been able to take those over here and use them in someone else's life and use them to bring honor and glory to him and be able to use that to rejoice in the goodness of God. And so as I think about the world, in a lot of these places around the world, they've never even heard of the hope of Jesus Christ. And yet, God places on people's hearts to go and to be a part and to share the good news, the hope, the tree of Jesus Christ to this bitter, lost world. And so it's our responsibility to help send them. That's why we give. It's our responsibility to pray for some to go that we can be a part of. This afternoon, late this afternoon, I met with Steve and Flora Hale. Many of y'all know them. And um, they went to Bible college and wanted to be in the ministry, maybe missions or pastoral or something like that. But way back in the day when, I'm not saying they're old, but way back in the day when they went to Bible college, um, they wouldn't let them be approved because of the interracial marriage. And we look and go, what in the world? So they never got to be what they thought God called them to be. And now they've retired. And guess what? They're going to the Philippines on the 17th. And God's equipped them. And Flora's going to be teaching women how to be keepers of the home. Steve's going to be taking all this knowledge he got from Bible college and things he's accumulated. We've been working through some things to help train some of these young pastors in their theology. And so they understand who God is and how to be able to, they're going to be in the mountains. And what's interesting, they're going to be in the mountains of, of the, in the Philippines off, not too, not too far from Manila, where Flora's family came to know the Lord. Some of them, not all of them. And so they're going to get to go back in the mountains and deal with some of those people and try to reach some of those people that's even her family. And I'm thinking about, I was thinking about the need to turn bitter into sweet and we were talking about that even a little bit today, that here they are retired and went, all right, Lord, we're going to go. Scared to death. They don't have, don't have any idea what's going to look like. 
But they said, we're going to go what we believe God's called us to do. We're going to go, and we're just going to do the best we can. And I thought, good for you. Good for you. And I, if you picked up the missionary letters back, if you got one last week, they got missed. Throw that one away. Throw away all those missionaries. We have new missionaries back here. And Stephen Floor on this one. But you might be praying for them. And uh, that is they go and that God opens all these doors. And it's been a miracle how that God has even prepared the way for them to go. Things they didn't know about even selling their house. They, they got rid of everything. Except ten crates, I think it is. Little cartons or whatever. Because they go, we're not coming back. This is it. And so you might pray for them. But as I was thinking about their life, and I was even challenging them today and talking to them about some of the things they're going to experience, and we've been meeting off and on through this process, as I said, here's one of the things. Flores, God brought you here. Y'all did not get what you thought. You thought it was an affliction that you didn't get to do what y'all wanted to do. Steve, that you didn't ever get to go in the ministry or anything like that. And you could have allowed yourself to become bitter in all of this. And they did some. But I said, look at how God's prepared you. Floor through all your medical stuff. Steve through all these trials and stuff you went through. And now we can take those and they can become sweet. And the people you're going to minister to it can become sweet. And they're going to another country, the Philippines. But you have people in your family, in your circle of influence, that if you look at their life, they're bitter. Not only with the trials and afflictions, they're just bitter at life. And Jesus Christ can make their life sweet. And so we're missionaries as well. And I think about so many times, and I was, I was thinking about so many people that are even in ministry, that they're bitter. And they don't turn to the living source, Jesus Christ. And see that he can make their trials and afflictions sweet. That's why we send missionaries. Because there are so many people standing at the water. And it's bitter. And there's no hope. And Jesus Christ can make it sweet. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for the time that we can have tonight. And Lord, I think of missions, Lord, and and the need for missions. And just like the children of Israel, Lord, they were standing at the water. It was bitter, no hope. And Lord, they had turned to the things of this world to bring them hope. Lord, they had already forgotten who you were. But God, you provided. You had the remedy of grace. And you showed Moses the tree, and he cut down the tree, and it made the water sweet. And, Lord, I thank you for the missionaries that you have prepared, that they're going to go and be as Moses, and they're going to they're point people to Christ so that their bitter life can become sweet. Lord, I think about Stephen Floor, Lord, as they're going. Lord, I pray that as they run into bodies of people who have no hope and their life is bitter, Lord, they're being discouraged, they have no hope, that, Lord, they can point people to you. I pray that we as a church will continue to send people, Lord, support missions, Lord, that as we see people going, and, Lord, as they're going, to point people to you. And then, Lord, in our lives, I pray that we not be as the Israelites who in three days 
forgot how great and good you were. And Lord, I pray that in our lives, Lord, we will not forget how good you are. Lord, the times you've been there for us. Lord, the times that you've been faithful to us. Lord, and that you're already preparing for us the remedy of grace. You're already preparing for us the tree. Lord, you're preparing for us to show us how good and great you are. And Lord, I pray that we would not miss that. And Lord, thank you for the time we can open your word tonight and learn more about who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen.